would you remember me? When all is said and done, when the gun cools and the smoke disperse, would you remember this verse? Remember the first time I made you smile with similes that compared you to royalty. And you are majestic. I've invested in my metaphors in order for you to remember who you are. So will you remember me? Retain me in your heart. Recognize the art in my words. Defend my honor like you would defend your life. Tell them you understood me. Tell them the black in me is what made the light in me so prominent. Tell them I always kept my promises. Even when it was difficult to keep. Tell them my speech was profane sometimes. But the sentiment behind the curses was to curse the disease of complacency. Tell them I would be the first to admit that. That my aim wasn't always positive, but I stayed positive. Tell them I was a poet. And tell them that I never compromised that. Tell them I wrote with purpose, with strength and determination that I would never turn my face in disdain and contempt for the sincere. Tell them I was a man of my word. That I heard the cries of the wayward vagabonds and drifters and I gave them shelter with these stanzas. Tell them, urge them, remind them to remember me. Spoken Soul Sessions. You ready, my man? With Poetic Black. Ain't nothing holding me back but me and who's holding you but you but you. Check this out, man. Spoken Soul Sessions. Oh, my God. This is Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Bold stances and new advances got us here. You are listening to Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. We'll start from scratch, exploring new possibilities. to another episode of Spoken Soul Sessions. I'm your host, Poetic Black. And today, ladies and gentlemen, is a great day. Today, we we have a special, special guest in the studio today. This brother right here This brother right here Is a staple In the poetry community It brings me Great pleasure To bring to you guys One of the most profound And the 
one of the most earnest and dedicated individual to this spoken word game right here, to the to this art form. I'm talking about none other than Mr. William S. Peters Sr. Mr. William S. Peters currently desi- he resides in State College, Pennsylvania. He was raised in Southern New Jersey, born in 1951. He's a seasoned writer, poet, and artist. A 2016 and 2019 Pulitzer Prize nominee. William S. Peters, a.k.a. Jess Bill, has devoted himself to poetry in 1966 since the day he became a dedicated voice in making his creative expression public regardless of form he has held the passionate conviction that the written art is a necessity the author's spiritual essence reflects in his social actions of all which serve his efforts to ease his personal angst and contribute towards the betterment of humanity and a reconciliation of his plight To date, Peters authored more than 55 books. His poems have been published in excess of 220 anthologies, newspapers, and literary magazines. In September 2015, the author was recognized as the Poet Laureate at the Cassavo International Poetry Festival. William S. Peters is the founder of Inner Child Press International and currently serves as the CEO of Inner Child Enterprise LTD, managing director of Inner Child Press International, executive producer of Inner Child Radio, and executive editor of Inner Child Magazine. He has published a multitude of first-time writers from across the globe through hands-on assistance, counseling, and guidance thus introducing a large body of literary work to the public. In his brief, in his brief history, Inner Child Press International, Peter's publishing enterprise has brought global attention to a vast number of poets by means of official releases and inclusion of their craft in numerous anthologies. In 2019, William S. Peters has authored Electric Verse, another voluminous book of poems his creative writings in 2020 include the five volumes of the book of Kressar he is presently working on two new poetry books with multiple additional manuscripts waiting for their turn Peter says I have always likened life to that of a garden so for me life is simply about seeds we sow them and nourish all things we think and do will be cause and eventually manifest themselves in an effect within our own personal existences and experiences whether it be fruit flowers weeds or barren landscapes in high regard of the fruits of his labor William S. Peters Sr. wishes that everyone would thus go on to plant lovely seeds on good ground in their own gardens of life ladies and gentlemen Please help me give my brother, Mr. William S. Peters, a loud round of applause. Welcome to the Spoken Soul Session Studio. 
Brother Black. How you doing, uh, my brother? How you I doing? I am doing well. I'm doing well. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you very well, my brother. Okay, very, very well. well. Listen, um, let, 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 give me a minute. First of all, I, I want to thank you for this honor. You know, I mean, it certainly is an honor, man, because I know I, I'm going I'm to go back a couple of years. When I first met you, you know, um, and you did your thing, you know, man, you floored me with the, the, the your ability, your quality to capture uh, things with the way of your pen, if you would. And to this day, when I listen to the intro piece again and again, um, and, you know, whenever I'm around you, man, I just want to hear, especially when you're in, in, in company of pain, I just want to <laughs> hear you guys spit, man, because um, you guys are, are special. And I, I hope you, I'm always going to, you know, say that out loud. And I hope you understand how special you are. You know, I appreciate um, you, my brother. You know, I really do, man. I really so, do. anyway, I just had to say that, man. Definitely, man. Man, I'm so happy to have you here, man. Like, people don't know, man. You, you, brother, you are, you are a staple of this community, man. I mean, you've done so much work. I mean, over 55 years, ladies and gentlemen, this man has dedicated his life to this art form man and i am i am indebted to you my brother i am really indebted to you and i really appreciate your grind man i really do i mean so when thank you when when, when my guests come on the show there's a there's a there's one question that i ask every guest <laughs> and coming from you i mean i know this question is going to be so insightful because like you you've walked the walk so the question is mr William Peters, why poetry? Okay, this goes back to my childhood. Um, I've always been a curious person and also a mouthy person. I may not be as mouthy until someone gives me the green light these days. However, what happened in my childhood, um, there was a particular a time, you know, I was coming down the steps in my house. My father had a picture of, you know, the troops when he went to Korea. So me being the smart-ass kid, I'd, I'd say, oh, there goes the ship. So my mother said, thought I said shit, and she smacked me, you know, because, <laughs> you know, seven- and eight-year-olds don't say ship, they say boot. <laughs> so, you know, that and a few other experiences let me know that um, I had to be mindful of what I said, you know, and it led me to writing because I can say what the hell I want on a piece of paper. Mm. It doesn't smack me. It doesn't talk back. It accepts whatever my thoughts are. So um, I got hooked, you know, uh, and then in the 60s, late 60s, you know, there was Last Poets. There was Gil Scott Heron. Um, you know, I was, I was a big fan of Khalil Gibran, mm. you know, um, and, you know, of course, I was a Christian. So, I, you know, I got to read, you know, Solomon, you know, and <laughs> Psalms and that yes. kind of stuff. So that all that was, you know, major influences. And not only, uh, I guess my, my concept, you know, of speaking, you know, as well as, um, you know, the freedom that writing provided me, um, that speaking itself does not necessarily always do. So, I, like I said, I got hooked. Wow. Profound. Like, what was the spoken word scene back then? Like, like what was it like you you lived through those times man and like you wrote through those times man like what was it back like what was it like back then 
Well, you know, um, the truth of the matter is spoken words are relatively new, you know, label, if you would. You know, there's always been spoken word, but it wasn't called that, say, maybe to the last couple of decades, if that long. Mm. Um, back in the day, we just called them poetry readings. Mm. You know, um, you know, there was also uh, uh, the um, beat poetry, you know, which was performed like spoken word is done today with people like um, uh, Imamu Amiri Baraka, you know, Ginsburg and um you know, those particular guys, they popularized that um, essence. Uh, so I, if I had to say, you know, uh, prior to the last poets, you know, you had those guys on the microphone. And then, of course, the last poets who were a major, major influence on the spoken word community um, gave us permission to speak out, to speak in a revolutionary way, to speak our complaints. And um, ergo, I'm not not going to say the birth, but I just have to give it to them and say they were the birth of the spoken word thing. And they came out like in the 70s, mm. you know, so um, I, I think that's the early um, fruition or the early birthing of what we now, you know, embrace as slam spoken word and et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, so got to shout out those guys. Thankful. That they, like I said, they had the courage, and they're New York boys, right? <laughs> yep, definitely. <laughs> so, like when you when you look at the, the the state of the spoken word back then, comparing it to now, like what do you see? Like where do you see the art of spoken word right now? Like currently, how do you view the spoken word world? Well, um, it, right now it is very, very, very diverse. Um, there was a boom, I guess, back in the nineties. You know, where people felt they had permission to write, permission to speak out. You know, it was sort of like a, a literary revolution. Um, and then they, uh, you know, whoever the first promoter was that started putting these people on stage. Um, I, I think it was a good thing because uh, what we're having is, um, like I said, diversity and an opportunity to listen to the voices you know, of the people. That have the you know the uh, nerve, if you would, or the courage to get up on the stage. I mean, first of all, getting up on the stage is not an easy thing. You know, even myself, I, I don't get up on every stage <laughs> inviting it. But to people like yourself, Payne, and various other artists, um, uh, Monique, and various other artists, I've had the opportunity to uh, witness on stage. I, I got to shout out Black Ice and his work. You know, he's doing out there in Chicago um, with um, Poet organization and and i know i'm forgetting a whole bunch of people but you know uh i i think spoken word is healthy um you know there are you know i must say there are um if you would babes in the industry that are still growing up you know on the stage and i think that's encouraging um i'm not necessarily a fan of you know, any particular thing, violent, you know, um, I think erotica has its place. So there are certain uh, genres of spoken word and you can now say genres um, that have their place. And then, of course, there's a social consciousness, you know, um, then there's, you know, the wordplay masters that, you know, weave messages into their wordplay, such as yeah. yourself in pain that yeah. are saying something, you know, significant that people should listen to. And um, I, I think that in and of itself is whatever. Now, I, hopefully I answered your question. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I think spoken word is healthy. 
you know, um, I'm looking forward to, you know, what comes about as a result of it, because you have an opportunity to peek into the consciousness, the souls, the hearts, the minds, you know, of society, as well as the individual that's up there on stage. Definitely, because a lot of people don't realize how much how much it takes to get up on that stage, you know, because you can you can recite some words in the comfort of your own home and feel comfortable. But when you have those lights on you and, and that cat, you know, the cameras <laughs> on you, everybody waiting and and you get stuck. I've, I've been up on that stage one time and and I was like, whoa, what is this? I was like, where am I? You know, but definitely you fight through it. <laughs> you fight through it and you keep it going, man. Like, definitely. I think I also think that the state of spoken word today is very healthy. I think, like you said, you have so many different, it's, the diversity is just so prevalent where you have so many different avenues where you can, you know, express yourself. You got so many forms of expression coming out and, and, I, and I love it. I love the fact that spoken word is taking the turn, whereas people are seeing the power of it because the power of the spoken word is just so powerful. And a lot of us, we don't recognize that, you know what I'm saying? But you, you, my brother, man, you, you, you're like a lifetime journeyman of this spoken word, man. You've walked the walk, you know, so you've traveled. Tell us some of, some of the things because you were a, a Pulitzer Prize nominee for two years. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, um, basically, the Pulitzer Prize is, um, you know, it sounds like a big thing as far as being a nominee. Um, and it is that someone thinks enough of your work um, to submit your name and application um, as, you know, a nominee. So um, the Pulitzer Prize, for those that do not know, is uh, a prize that was established a long, long time ago by a guy named Joseph Pulitzer um, who wanted to enhance and acknowledge, you know, um, you know, people in the written word in industry. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't really uh, go to spoken word as much except for the example of Bob Dylan a couple of years ago. Mm. But, um, you know, it's uh, primarily a, around the written word industry. Um you know, so, uh, you know, that and a couple of other things that I was, you know, blessed to do, um, you know, and there's a litany of things that I was absolutely blessed to do through poetry, uh, you know, uh, such as I was uh, the Poet Laureate in Kosovo, um, where my book, Divine Keeper, was featured. I, abs I actually wrote a book about that experience in 2015 and in 2017, that book was translated into Albanian and uh, put into their school system, you know, in wow. Kosovo. So um, that was an honor. Um, I wrote a book about Morocco. I, I, from Kosovo, I visited Morocco and was a keynote speaker at the uh, Morocco International Poetry Festival. So that was an honor. Um, from there, I wound up in Jordan and Palestine, where I wrote a book about Palestine. And that was launched in 2018. Um, in Palestine. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things I had the opportunity to lecture at the University of Jordan, wow. you know, um, and quite a few other things. So, you know, those are things that I think um, for me, I'm I don't like this word, but I'm proud of them, mm. you know, um, because of the accomplishment. You know, here's a little uneducated boy from South Jersey <laughs> that, you know, wound up on these world stages simply because of poetry. Mm. You know, no other reason. I, I may be a smart guy. I may not. Depends on who's judging. But poetry is the the factor, you know, um, 
poetry is the thing that led me to this. And I guess my dedication, you know, to it, you know, so um, that's that's for people that have any aspirations for poetry. It's out there, you know, maybe I got lucky. I don't know, but you know, no, it's that's out there. definitely amazing, man. It's, a, it's an amazing feat, man. And you've been featured all over the world. And it's, it's just it's just amazing to me, like how far you've taken it. You know, because I know poets, man. You know, I know serious poets too, man. And it's like the the opportunities that that has been laid before your feet is just amazing, man. Jordan, yeah. Palestine. I mean, the Pulitzer Prize. I mean, this is these are not small feats right here, man. So when we look at you in the poetry world and the poetry community, man, we really we really honor your contribution to what we do, man. I mean, you you would be remiss not to, you know. So definitely, so all over the world, man. You, you've you've tell us about a little bit about the inner press because I'm I'm actually published in two of your your publications. I'm actually published in two of mm-hmm. your publications, and 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 ladies and gentlemen, let me inform you about this. This brother right here, he really fights to get artists published. I mean, Inner Child Press Publications, man, has published so many first-time authors, so many first-time artists that wanted to get their stuff published and get it out to the world. And I think that's that's amazing that you've put together a company that that has contributed so much to the artists as being able to put out their chat books, put being able to put out their publications, their their poetry books and things like that. And they, so tell us a little bit about Inner Child. Okay, well, the first thing I, I'm got to say, simply because I'm in your company, is that Inner Child Test is still waiting on Poetic Black and Written in Pain's manuscript. <laughs> we will be posting it sometime soon, I hope. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> okay, but the, the story goes back um, quite a ways. Um, and that I, I said, uh, you know, at the age of 15 and on, I was writing. And when I was about 17, my cousin, uh, then who was in college, you know, and back in those days, we didn't have computers or printouts or any of that kind of stuff. Everything was handwritten or either a typewriter. So I had this handwritten journal, you know, one of those spiral books with all the sections that you get mm-hmm. in school or college. And it was filled with poetry. So she said, give that to me. I'll have it transcribed and we'll publish it for you. So I gave it to her um, and she was going to school in Ohio and um, their car broke down. And one of the things they left in the car was my manuscript, (laughs) my book, you know. So that was the end of that. That was 1970. Um, But and so then I I had a big mistrust, you know, for giving people my work and sharing my work with people. Mm. But there was one, if you would, interest, love interest I had. And um, I let her and let her see my work and gave it to her. So anyway, fast forward into the 80s, you know, um, I was then married and my wife and I were writing and we were collecting rejection slips from all the publishing houses and whatever. So I kind of laid low. Um, and then fast forward, I was rock collecting work. Then fast forward to 2006, my wife died of cancer. And, uh, you know, I, there was a lot of grief and I started writing about that. Um, I joined MySpace. And the people just, for some reason, gravitated, you know, to me um, in reference to what I had to say. I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful, you know, for that, because that opened my eyes that what I had to say was important or significant to some degree to some people. Um, then, of course, Facebook came along and that same mentality followed me. 
Um, in the meantime, in 2007, okay, I had written a book, My Inner Garden, and a friend of mine, um, Margo from Florida, Margo Buccini, kept encouraging me, you got to publish, you got to publish, you got to publish, and I'm like, nah. So anyway, I self-published in 2008, My Inner Garden. Um, fast forward to 2011, during that time, I was helping other people get their work together for the publishers. But in 2011, I was stuck out in Utah um, with nothing to do. I was living out there and I started Intertrial Press, you know, on a whim. Um, I had published uh, Poetically Spoken, a Poetically Spoken anthology um, for the uh, now defunct Poetically Spoken show and their artists. Um, and then, you know, people like uh, Nisi Gator, uh, Janice uh, Johnson, you know, came along, um, you know, uh, you know, heart spoken easy. Um, I published her and a few other people in that first year, Jeffrey Sanders. And, wow, you know, it yeah. just kind of caught, you know. Um, and since then, I've pretty much been honing my craft. What I did find out is um, 36 years later, Black, I'll tell you about endurance. In 2008, which was 36 years later, I found out that my friend from 1971 published my book in 1972. Wow. But I didn't find out that 36 years later that this blessing had been bestowed upon me, you know. Um, So I was hooked, you know, and I say 55 books, but it's a lot more than that. But um, with those numbers, it says to me, I got something to say, and I'm going to keep on saying I'm still that talkative little child, and I'm not going to stop, bro, my brother. I'm not going to stop. That's no. right, man. Yeah. That's right, man. You out James Baldwin, man. Like, you know what I mean? You write, you write, <laughs> like, like your your words, I mean, you encourage so many writers, man. Like, when I first came on the poetry scene on the internet, because I was doing a lot of shows out, just doing shows. But when I came mm-hmm. on to blog talk and got intro- introduced to all of the blog talk poets, the first name that came up, like, was the godfather, was Bill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you want to get your book done? Yo, talk to Bill. Yo, Bill yo, Bill was the plug. Bill was the definitely the plug. Like, so many different artists, so many different of my peers was coming to Inner Child to get their, their, their works released. And I mean, like you, you've been grinding, my brother. I mean, that was back in 2013 and you're still going mm. strong, man. You're still going strong, man. And I want to, I want, I want my audience to get a taste, you know what I mean? Of your words, man. You have anything prepared for us that you can do? Oh man, I write poetry all the time. I'm, I'm going to do, um, something I just recently wrote and, uh, and I'll let it speak for itself. All right, let me let me let me set the stage up for you. Let me set the stage up for you. Spoken Soul Sessions. I want to introduce you to the powerful words of my brother, your brother, Mr. William S. Peters. Ready? Yep. We good? Yep, we good. Okay, this piece is titled Disabled and Labeled. They tried to categorize me as developmentally 
disabled, for I refuse to walk their line, which they claim to be simple, straight, and correct. I could not understand then, and to this day, I have failed. What has Einstein, Shakespeare, Browning, or Keats done for me lately, or ever at all? Instead of calculus, I was trying to learn how to calculate so that I could navigate through this maze without raising too much noise and notice to the color of my skin. But again and again, that alone became the determining factor of the state of my well-being without due consideration for my ability and my potential. So therefore, my possibilities were limited, so they thought. But because I was developmentally disabled in their eyes, they never saw me coming. That's that piece. Powerful piece, my brother. Powerful, powerful, powerful Thank you. piece, man. Thank you. Powerful piece, man. Like, tell us a little bit about that piece, man. What what inspired that? Well, you know, um, being black, <laughs> being black, you know, I mean, all you got to do is open and open the Internet and you see all kinds of atrocities or, you know, uh, oppression, repression, suppression, you know, things, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you would, uh, executed against our people, you know, um, and it's hard not to have something to say about that. Definitely. You know, um, I read a, a short meme the other day and uh, it was a mother and her black teenager. And the teenager asked the mother, mom, if I get stopped by a cop, what should I do? Should I fight or should I just surrender and whatever? And the mother thought, she says, well, you know, surrendering does not guarantee that you'll come home or come back to me alive. Hmm. You know, um, and if you fight or flee, that increases that chance that you will not come back to me alive. Hmm. And then she stopped. She thought. She said, you know, you coming back to me alive is very important. We fighting is very important, but I'd rather have you alive. So surrender. And we'll hope that nothing happens. Then she questioned herself and she says, what the hell did I just teach my child? Mm. You know, um, you know, I get in the car and go out and that's a concern. I'm black. I mean, it's not necessarily in the forefront of my mind, but I'm looking in my rearview mirror. I'm looking at these little bastards parked on the side, you know, waiting to see something darker than them, you know, so they can harass them and whatever. And it's it's a very, very real thing, you know, and my duty as a writer and, you know, or whatever, I got to keep on talking about to, to do something change. Either we're going to fight or we're going to surrender, you know, surrender is not an option. That's that, that's profound. There's starting to be more fighting, you know. Um, that's not necessarily the way I think we should go because they got the guns, <laughs> you know. But um, something has to change in that venue, man. It has to change, you know. Definitely, I agree with you totally, man. Um, when you look at it, it reminds me. It reminds me of a, a old parable that I read, and it was making mention of. 
the people, when the oppressors come, that's why it's so important to speak up. And it's so important to use your words because when the oppressor come and they, they isolate someone to oppress, no one says anything. So they come snatch them up. The next time they come, they snatch a different group up. No one says anything. So they snatch them up. So then when they come back to grab up the last group, there's nobody to fight or, or to resist them. So that's why it's so powerful that we have a united voice and that we 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 unite our our words and our power to fight against this oppression, man, because it's yeah. definitely a real thing. And people think people kind of like some people tend to sometimes think it's all in our head. Oh, you're just exaggerating. This, no, this is a very real thing when you're being mm-hmm. black in this country. You know, yeah. and you ain't doing nothing wrong. You you're not doing like here it is. You're a Pulitzer Prize nominee, you know, and you gotta you gotta look over your shoulder in your rearview mirror, and and really be conscious of your environment because you don't know what's coming at you. And it's a very exactly. real thing, and it's not an exaggeration, as people may have you think or make you want to believe. But it's a very real thing, and a lot of black people go through this every single day, every yeah. single day, man. I- and a lot of times I'll get to my destination. I got to be mindful because any little asshole these days feel entitled to say what the hell they want to say to me mm. uh, because of the color of my skin. Well, that shit ain't going to work. Mm. Um, but, you know, the word I cling to is colonization, you know, uh, which is an imper- uh, to me a very important word that we got to understand exactly what it means. I, I read a meme some time ago that said um, it was about Africa. And said they came to us with the Bibles and uh, they came to our land with the Bibles and told us to close our eyes and pray. And we trusted them and we did. When we opened our eyes, they had the land and we had the Bibles. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so um, that was the onset of colonization. Now, um, whether we realize it or not, over the past couple of hundred years, we've been colonized mentally. That we live to be white. I mean, we look at our brothers and sisters, you know, that are very, very hyper successful. And what do they do? They want things. I mean, they may want change as a secondary thing, but they want to live their life, you know, um, not quite understanding that, you know, now, even still, you get net Bugatti or you get in that Rolls or you get in that Ferrari and drive down the street, you're still black. You definitely are. You know, and um, we got to be mindful of that. And like I said, it's, time, it's way past due time for change. So we, we now have the Bibles. You know, we're writing the Bibles ourselves. Mm. And um, we got to get them to close their eyes to the fact that we're black. And open their eyes to see that we're human, you know, and, um, you know, we need to recolonize their minds as our minds have been colonized, you know, um, not to knock anybody in our community, but, you know, we just gravitate to the wrong things and we gravitate to things that are run and controlled, manufactured, produced, sold by people other than ourselves. We have to have industry. We have to start producing things. We have to patronize each other, you know, um, and, you know, as we build and our power base, economic power base and realize that we have come together things will change but we have to come together mentally and collectively 
Definitely, Mammy. I, I we I did a podcast on black consumerism and what you and what you just said is is, is so is so true that we don't manufacture anything. And at the at the end of the day, when you're not a manufacturer and you you're the biggest consumer, you're gonna lose. You know, <clears throat> we gotta start supporting each other, start manufacturing things, you know, like the biggest the the, the black hair community, the black hair um industry rather. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest industry for the black for, for, for black people and I mean it produces so much money, but it's ran by Koreans. No shot, yeah. no shade at Koreans, but why don't we why don't we own a piece of that industry that we consume the most? It would only make sense that we would manufacture these products that you know that we that we ourselves would use. You know? So my brother, we got we just got cut off. He should be back in. We had a little technical difficulties. But this is a great point. This is definitely a great point that we need to start to manufacture, start to, you know, look at the things that we need, the things that we consume on a daily basis and start manufacturing these things. And then after we start manufacturing these things, we have to support these manufacturers, these black people who are trying to, you know, give us the things that we need and we can buy from them. Everyone else does it. Everyone does it. So why why should we be the ones to be, you know, demonized for, for using the same method you know the same type of economic that everyone else is that everyone else use yeah there we go we got my brother back uh yeah you're back on bill i'm sorry about that, that okay. technical difficulty no problem but definitely man that uh the black economic is very important man it's very important for us to understand that if we're the biggest consumers that we have to start manufacturing we have to get yeah. into these industries and we have to support ourselves in these industries you know that that these are the things that we are using on a daily basis and we don't have to rely on mm-hmm. no one else to provide them for us you know this right. is definitely very important man very yeah. important yeah and as you said we we not only i mean it's easy for us to open a hair store by going to the wholesaler and buying product and selling it in our community. Yeah, that's on the retail side. But if we consider the manufacturing side, then we're in total. We got the reins to the horse, man. And that's where we need to be. We need to be manufacturing and retailing. You know, um, you know, uh, you know, one of my biggest peeves is when I look back in my lifetime, when I was a kid, we had the Jews in our community that owned all the grocery stores and what have you. You know, they made their money, got out. The next thing we had was the Koreans, you know. (laughs) Um, And uh, we, funny thing is, we look at uh, Chinese food stores, which which we're very, very, you know, attached to Chinese food, you know, for a takeout or a fast meal. And most of that's owned by someone other than Chinese, like Koreans and, you know, Vietnamese and, you know, ain't no Chinese. So, I mean, if they can do it, why can't we have Chinese food stores? Exactly. You know, we may not look the part, but we can sell it. Exactly. You know, and we need to start stopping in the stores in our community that are black owned and stop walking past them. Exactly. You know, and the black owners need to do a better job of you know, giving us a qualitative product, you know, um, you know, and we need to demand that from ourselves because when we all, when we look around, it is all about us. 
being about us, Indeed. you know? Um, and if we're not about the betterment of us, then don't expect the man to be concerned exactly. at all. Exactly. I mean, he's happy brothers are killing brothers in Chicago, New York, Trenton, New Jersey, and Georgia and St. Louis. I mean, that, that we're doing the job for him. Again, back to colonization, colonization of the mind. Indeed. And a lot of us been colonized by the mind and we and we need to wake up. We need to wake up and we, we got to see what it is that makes you want to walk past a store that a person, the owner looks like you. Because I wrote a poem, right? And in the poem I had said, I said, oh, you need more proof. Why none of the owners of the stores in your community look like you? Something to think about next time you're counting your loot. You see, because like really when you look at it, when you look at it, like you said, you made a great point. The food that they sell in these Chinese stores aren't Chinese food, really. All that stuff they get, they get from the big company. They all sell the big purveyor. You can go buy that stuff wholesale and you can open up a store and sell the exact same menu that they're doing. But it's something about mm-hmm. us that's in us is the colonization of the mind that allows us to say, no, I wouldn't buy it if a black man was selling it. But if a China man mm-hmm. is behind, the, the, if he's selling it, OK, it's good. But if a, another black man is selling it, no, it's something crazy about that. And it, it has to yeah, stem yeah. from something. It has to stem from something. And we need to really pay attention to this to eradicate this way of thinking. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I know in the in the. In the in the community of business, you know, we are seen as easy pickings, you know, um, and we are, you know, um, you know, I mean, things like I said, things I mean, you stop and take one of these uh, chains, these diamond chains, say a rapper has around his neck. Mm-hmm. That's enough to feed a couple of families for a year, you know, um, more so, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, and I'm not knocking you earned it. You have the right to wear it. However, the bigger problem is um, that we don't have the foresight to realize that our children, our children's children, regardless of how good we're doing now, all of them will be black. And if the current state of affairs continues, these policies continues, shoot, we, we may be born in internment camps, you know, or yeah. someplace else, you know what I mean? Because, um, you know, if we let a certain element of people have their way, um, we would be exterminated. Exactly. You know? And um, it's happening in small numbers, but it's happening. You know, I mean, you know, everybody would just be appalled if we had another Tulsa or, you know, uh, another mass slaughter. But they would get over it. You know, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, that boy, Wendell, uh, what's his name? Dylan, whatever. Dylan Roof. Walked into a church, mm. prayed with the people, then killed nine people. And what did his comrades do? They took him back to, out to McDonald's to get a sandwich. Are you hungry? He was taken alive. You know, um, another mass shooter, what they do, they handcuffed him, sat him by the car, gave him water. Mm. We, we get shot. Yep. We get shot. For far less. You know, um, for, for far so when less. I can go on and on and on about this, we know what it is. Mm. We know what, exactly what it is. And um, the responsibility to change it, it's going to be on us. It's not going to be us asking Master, Master, can you tell the man to not beat us as hard anymore? Mm. And what's Master going to say? Well, you know, work hard so I can make more money. You know, work harder, pick more cotton, pick more tobacco or whatever. You know, I always um, say 
Start working before sunup. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I always say that when you look at when you look at us as a people, man, I mean, we really need to look at us like when you look at the African American, I always say that there are the African American is very unique. They're unique in the sense that when you when you they're the most divided. Like the African American <clears throat> is divided, then subdivided, then sub subdivided. Because all of our hangups, we're, we're divided by our religion. Then we got our hangups of light skin, dark skin. Then we got our hangups about, oh, I'm Caribbean, uh, uh, I'm, I'm Haitian, and I'm this and I'm that. You know, so we got so we we're so divided that we can never be strong enough to to actually form a fist to fight back because we're so divided. Yeah. We all got that concept that oh, it's not about us. They they don't they don't feel that way about us. But a newsflash, they feel that way about all of us, and their history have proven it. This is not something right. that we're not aware of. We can just see it with our own eyes every single day, and uh, we need to wake up. And we need to start to yeah. actually really pulling our resources together and really supporting each other because everyone else does it. Everybody practices this economic. Why can't we? We wouldn't be foreign yeah. doing something like this. Practice the economics of yeah. the world. You know, you know, like we had that incident about a month and a half ago where the Asian lady was hawked in public. Mm. And man, the groundswell, we got, they got that uh, Asian Protection Act through Congress and Senate, you know, too sweet with the quickness. Yep. But yet and still, we have no protection. We've been here a few hundred years, you know, and still have no protection from the elements that assault us, the elements that brutalize us. Um, why? Because all they have to do is give us a Juneteenth national holiday and we're going to be quiet. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, fuck that. Excuse my language. But exactly. fuck that. You know, um, exactly. You know, uh, I just want to be left alone. If you're not going to help me, leave me the hell alone. You know, um, and, you know, in all honesty, I don't expect any help from that element unless it benefits them. Then they'll help, you know. Yeah, man. You know, it's interesting. It's very interesting, man. So let us let us let us get into another piece from you, my brother. Like, let me set the stage for you, man. You got one more piece for us that you can that you can convey to the people. I sure do. All right, let me let me set the stage for you, my brother. Coming back to the stage, I want to welcome back to the spoken soul, the spoken soul session studio, Mr. William Peters. Okay, this piece is titled Oye, Oye, Oye. Lips frozen to the rim of the golden chalice, tasting of the sweet nectar of dreams being birthed. Expectations running through the vast fields of possibilities with one's wonder wandering, seeking cause for but another twinkle to capture thine eye. There is no time for hope, for I am not the idol, I have not idle long enough to ponder its bounty or its complacency. I am running, flying. I am falling in love with the unwritten, the unspoken, the unknown. I am discovering self as self is discovering me, and we embrace while sipping the wine, inebriating our minds. 
Oh, let me but run, run, run without cause, without destination, without definition, void of purpose this day. For that which I have longed for, I have found in my heart, my soul, which has no time nor inclination for the foolishness of the knave and his kind. For I am the drunken master of nothing, of all things. For I have untethered myself from your proclivities. Oye, oye, oye. Can you hear the calling? That's that piece. And for those that may not know, for me, Powerful Thank piece, you. man. Definitely powerful piece, my brother. I like I love the way you write, man. You write so colorful, man. Like your words, you it's like when you when you write, you can really see, you can see what you're trying to mm. convey. Like listening to your poetry, man, you. definitely phenomenal, my brother. Your ver- your, your illustration, yeah. your your illustration abilities is just phenomenal. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, every once in a while I'll write about flowers and love and all that kind of stuff. And I do. But, you know, I, I think the biggest part because of my, if you would adopt a consciousness, much like yourself, you know, pain and, you know, that when I write, there has to be something underneath the surface. You know, it has to be a contribution of consciousness, a contribution of contemplation, consideration, all those things that perhaps might stick. So we throw the darts hoping to hit something, you know, um, and quite often they do. But hopefully they will poison the spirits and the minds of the individuals through our words that they belong to the movement of consciousness as opposed to. Man, that was nice. Clap their hands and going about their business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I commend you. I commend written word, spoken word artists are out there, you know, sowing those seeds, as I said in my bio, sowing those seeds of consciousness. You know? Definitely. That was that was that was powerful the way you the way you worded that. That was a powerful wording. I was like, I've read that a couple of times. I was like, wow, I like that illustration right there. The analogy of the seeds growing, you know, you put the seeds mm-hmm. out there, you know what I mean? And, and they'll grow, but you got to put them out there. That's the thing. I, I find that very powerful, you know, like say for instance, you have a, a land that that's very tillable. However, if you don't go out there and do the work, if you don't sow the seeds, yeah. nothing will grow. So I, I really love that and analogy. You know, yeah. yeah. And forgive me for being, I, I can't say forgive me, forget that. Um, but this pro-black statement, you know, that, that whole analogy or parable came from King James version, you know, um, sowing the seeds on good ground. And for me, I'm taking it one step further um, to say, sow seeds wherever you go, because mm. we never know where the good ground of consciousness is. Exactly. You know, um, you know, we have... We are, and this is the fear, we are a unique people, you know, because of our melanin, our abilities, our consciousness, our will to survive. Um, you know, we have so much more going for us, you know, including, you know, the volume of our seeds, so to speak, you know, uh, literally and figuratively, you know, um, in time to come, the world will be made up of mulattoes because if there's a drop of black 
is black. Exactly. You know, so they may be light skinned, good hair and all that kind of stuff, but we'll be our world. And that's their fear that, you know, that was Hitler's fear. That was, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Eugenics fear, you know, that they didn't want us populating the world. It's Bill Gates fear. You know, they don't want us populating the world, you know, um, distilling their white race and, you know, um, impregnating their daughters. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> that, so that's a but fact. It's real. It's real. It's definitely real. That's the biggest fear. That's why they hate you. That's why. That's the biggest. You you wonder why? Like why? What is it about me? You have this. You got you got good credit. You got all these things. Why do you hate me so much? Like that's the fear. You know, it goes. You never met me. You never met me. You never got to know me. You don't know my name, but you hate me. You hate my existence. You hate what I represent. And that's what we need to realize. We need, we have to support our own. We really do. And there's no shade to no one else because I accept everyone. You know what I mean? I accept everyone. No shade. However, for what I believe and what I know for my people, we need to love each other. We need to support each other. Everyone else is doing it. It's time for us to do it. And I'm, I'm going to stay encouraging my people to do that and support one another. Support one another. I will walk three blocks extra to get to a black owned establishment where I can get something that I need rather than go to someone that's not going to give nothing back to my community. Nothing. Because when you go, when you get to the community, right, when you do block parties out here, you go to the Chinese restaurant, you ask them to donate a pan of rice, donate, donate a pan of chicken wings or something for the, for the block party. They gonna say no, but, but they get money out of the community 365 days a year and they put nothing yeah. back so we got to stop that not, if, 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 only thing you got to do to close them down is just not go in there it's nothing violent yeah. it's nothing it's nothing malicious just don't go in there you know and get another right. brother in there that can go buy egg rolls from their same purveyor and get in the hood and sell egg rolls and, and, and pork fried rice or whatever the brothers is eating you know what I mean if that's what you want you dig, but it's definitely it's time for us to really support our own man, and I definitely agree with that sentiment, my brother. But we're getting close to that time because, uh, okay. you know, I, I you know I got to pay for this squad cast. <laughs> you know, being oh, okay. yeah, yeah, free. But my brother, man, I I really appreciate you for coming down and sitting down to the Spoken Soul Session Studio, man. Because you know we really look up to you, man. I mean, your contribution to the spoken word art form is proven man it's proven in your work 55 years man 55 years i mean that's amazing my brother i salute you and i really Thank appreciate you. you for coming out and and sitting down with us man now like i would like to ask you for you to give some type of advice because i know because i really want people if you out there you want your chat book out you're trying to get your first publication out this is definitely the man you need to talk to i mean this is the man you need to talk to because he will get your work out there. Like, tell us, tell us how they can reach you on Mr. Peters and get in contact with you to publicate their, their publications with Inner Child Press. Okay. Uh, the first thing is go to our website, um, which is www.innerchildpress.com. Okay. And from there, they can kind of get a feel for who we are, what we do, what we have done. You know, um, and I, I think familiarization, you know, um, it begins the comfort level of mm. understanding themselves as well as understanding us and the potential partnering of our services, our, our you know, craft 
you know, with their aspirations. Um, then I invite anybody to hit me up on the email, which is in touch at innerchildpress.com. That's in touch at innerchildpress.com. Hit me up. You got some questions. I'll walk you through it. You know, um, you know, I, I have no problem mentoring anyone, you know, um, whether they do business with us or not. You know, if there's any area that I can help, you know, or provide some advice or some direction or some guidance, you know, that's what I'm here for. That's, you know, my job. Um, I've accumulated, you know, some knowledge, if you would, you know, so I'm willing to pass it on because it was passed on to me. Um, very, whether it was directly or indirectly, it was passed on to me. So that's it. Um, innerchildpress.com, in touch at innerchildpress.com, or innerchildpress at gmail.com. Um, any one of those links work, you know. Um, you know, I, I would give out my phone number, but, you know, that gets to be a little bit biased <laughs> and it's not something I answer all the time exactly. anyway. So, um, you know, but yeah, Inner Child Press, um, you can find us on Facebook, Inner Child Press. We're all over the place. You know, Google us, Inner Child Press. That's it. You know, and I promise you, my brother, I'm, I'm making a promise to you right now on the show that you will be publishing my first book. I got I have a novel that I'm working on currently. Definitely, you know what I mean? First novel, really my second novel, but first novel I'm, I'm, I'm releasing. And uh, it's definitely going to be released on Any Child Press. Definitely, my brother. And we're yeah. working on that poetry book with me and Payne. Like, don't, I'm, I'm telling you, we got the poems and all that set out. Trust me, it's going to be fire. I'm telling you, we're working on it, my brother. Okay, I know, Will. I know, Will. I know, Will. I know, Will. Man, let me say this for everybody that's listening um, that don't quite understand the dynamics of word you know in my lifetime i've seen eight tracks um they weren't recordable per se we've seen cassette tapes Mm. we've seen uh uh, vhs and we've seen cds and for all you spoken word artists you know um and this is part of my fight with spoken word artists i must be honest um you know we're now going into the streaming mentality so if you don't have a device you can't hear mm. spoken word artists get up on the stage. And like I said earlier, you know, um, what was said is partially forgotten, you know, mostly forgotten. You know, it's it was that was a good show. But you can pick up books that are several hundred years old. Mm. You know, you can always pick up a book and readdress something that moved you. Definitely. You know, you can read it every day, you know. And I'm, I'm going to put the weight on you, my brother, and Payne and all the artists like you that has something so prolific to say. You have an obligation to make your mark in time. That is your legacy. You know, um, you get off the stage. Are you forgotten as a spoken word artist? Mm. Pretty much. But you write a book. You know, that book will be there in the libraries, the institutions, on bookshelves. Even if it's collecting dust, it's there. That presence is always there. So, you know, write, 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 write. Even spoken word artists have to write before they do yeah, their thing. Exactly. You know, and we got quite a few spoken word artists that we have published, you know, uh, as a result of that message I provided. Um, and like I said, you know, uh, the things that they wrote about are still um, prevalent and meaningful. That doesn't change. And, you know, I think about pieces you've 
you know, spoke out to me, especially, I tell you, my favorite piece of yours, the one about my father. <laughs> the ride with my father. Oh, wow. my God. <laughs> I was on YouTube. I was on YouTube, and I was, and I seen your page, and I said, wow, you got this up there. I was like, wow, you got what we went to uh, the Poetry Fest. I was like, wow, That's you right. got this up yeah. there. Yeah, I appreciate that, my brother. <laughs> I really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was for a friend of mine, my my mate, you know, um, I'm, I was so impressed with that for years that I said, you know, like, like, hey, pain black. I don't give a shit what you got to say. Y'all got to do this piece for me, you know, <laughs> like for her, you know, so she could hear the magnificence, you know, um, of your creativity. I appreciate you know, you. and I'll say this again and again and again. You guys got something going on consciously. You owe it to me and people like me to not only have CDs but to have books. Definitely, you know? I agree, man. I really agree, man. And trust me, man, it's coming, bro. It's definitely coming, Bill. I really appreciate you for coming through. I want to I wanna, uh, uh, remind my guests, if you have, if you're trying to get on the show and you have spoken word and you want a platform, you can reach out to me at SpokenSoulSessions at gmail.com. Send me some links where I can see your work and we can work on getting you on the show and providing a platform for your voice. I want to thank you again, my brother, Bill, for coming through, man, and we really appreciate your contribution to this art form that we love so much, man. Thank you so much. I got to have you My back honor, on the man. show, man. We, cause we, we going to do some other shows. We can just talk about some issues that's dealing with the black community. Man, I would really like to pick your brain and let the people hear it, man. Definitely got to have you back on the show. My brother, man, I appreciate you. Thank I'll be you honored, so much, man. man. I've been black for seven. Many years, man. So, you know, it'd be an honor to be able to speak out about some of those experiences and things that insights, if you would. 70 years. If y'all wouldn't think he was a day over 35, man. Bill, Bill, I mean, y'all wouldn't think it, man. I swear, man. But I appreciate you, my brother, for coming through, man. Thank you so much. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you love me because I love you. My brother. <laughs>